Saturday morning on The Driving Show. Welcome back to the show, guys. It's great to have you here with us. Uh, Got to get yourself a cup of coffee. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know what? I, I got one of those um, one of those fake, uh, the, the fake Yeti cups because I'm too cheap to buy the real one. How do it know? That is like the best coffee cup I have ever had. I got that thing right right here in front of me right now, and I'm like, this thing's perfect. It's kept my coffee hot ever since we started the show, and I'm like, I, just, I don't know how this thing does it, but it's... That's genius. You don't really need to hear about that, do you? All right, let's jump right on into it, though. It's time now for our driving show song of the week. I mentioned earlier that this is going to be perfect, absolutely perfect for uh, what we did last weekend because we went to the SEMA convention, went to the SEMA show in Las Vegas. And, of course, <laughs> you can't talk about Vegas without playing Viva Las Vegas. Here's Elvis Presley. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas with your neon flashing and your one-arm band is crashing almost of course, Elvis made this version back in 1964. In 1978, Dead Kennedys did their own twisted version of it. But the version of the song that we're actually going to play in its entirety here from 1986... ZZ Top and Viva Las Vegas, the driving show's song of the week. Y'all still want me to come with you?
Man, I'm telling you, I think my head still hurts from last weekend in Vegas. Oh, it was good stuff. Went, I went down to Fremont Street. I've been to Fremont Street in probably 10 years. That was pretty wild. I didn't, I didn't realize that the women could walk on the streets there with um, essentially just panties and those pasties covering their junk, you know? That's it, man. I mean, that was, yeah. And there were kids there. Like, moms and dads brought their kids down there. Like, I wouldn't want my kid to see that stuff, you know? There's certain things, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Las Vegas, but boy, if they're only 10 years old, they shouldn't be there. I don't, you know, that's just my two cents worth out there, but holy cow. Anyway, it was good times. That was the song of the week there. Uh, ZZ Top and Viva Las Vegas. Time for us to take a quick break. We got to get, uh, get, a, get a quick one in here. Uh, coming up in a little bit, we got to talk about, um, uh, talk about, oh, we're, we're talk about some safety. There is some safety stuff going on that you may not even know that might affect you in your shop, in your car, on your boat. Let's talk about that. Uh, also, our driving show, Motor sports update we're gonna talk some nascar that's next right here on the driving show i'm john hammer stay right there we'll be right here Saturday morning, we are live on The Driving Show. Great to be with you guys. My name is John Hammer, originally from Detroit. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina these days, but I get to travel all over the country. Uh, as I've mentioned before, last week, if you caught the show, I was in Las Vegas last weekend for the SEMA convention, which is the Specialty Equipment Marketers Association. It's a huge group of aftermarket companies, manufacturers, um, anywhere from tools to engine parts to wheels and tires. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, really it's cool i mean the place is really incredible hey coming up in a little while i want to talk about uh, a safety recall that absolutely while it's not necessarily automotive related it relates to folks like us the fire extinguisher that you have in your shop or that maybe you have in your car or perhaps in your boat it may not be safe and in fact 40 million fire extinguishers have been recalled. Yeah, this is a big deal. This is like legitimate big deal. When I first heard about it, I thought this has got to be a joke, right? There's no way. No, no, no. This is the real deal. So I'll get you the details on that coming up in just a little while. Also, I'll post the information for that on thedrivingshow.com, which will take you over to our Facebook page, and on Instagram.com slash thedrivingshow, uh, so you can uh, find all this information out for yourself. But we'll cover the rest of it, all the details. Uh, coming up a little bit later in the show, all right? That sounds uh, sounds pretty decent right now. However, though, uh, we've got to get on over to, uh, well, was, let's... Uh you know, the things I couldn't fit in last week on the show, honestly. Uh, and it was actually pretty cool because there's a lot going on and, and not even inside the uh, the event over at SEMA, but outside the event, there's all kinds of crazy stuff to see as well. And I happened to, to catch the eye. I, I caught um, a, a really fancy flame job paint job on a Challenger SRT Hellcat. And while well, a fancy paint job on a Hellcat's nothing special, you could tell something was up. The car had a roll cage in it. I mean, it was clearly drag raced up, and this thing was this thing was was built to perform. Well, as I was looking at the car, my buddy Fred, and I didn't even know Fred was there. Fred, who is a friend of mine out of uh, out of uh, 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 Space City LX uh, Modern Mopar Club out of Houston area, he he sees me, calls me over. John, come on over, come to hey check this thing out. I'm like, yeah, cool, man. What's going on? And he starts telling me the story on it. He says, well, hey, look, there's more to the story on this car. He says, I'll introduce you to Brian. And I'm like, all right, great. So he brings Brian over. Hi, Brian. Brian, I'm John. And I look at the guy and I'm like, hang on for a minute. I recognize you. It's Brian Basone, who was originally a, a contestant on the TV show Pinks. Remember that one with Rich Christensen? Lose the race, lose your ride. Uh, well, he's 
we partnered up with Rich to work on Pink's All Out, and now he's working with, again, with Rich Christensen on this new venture that included the build of this particular car, so we wanted to get all the details. 2016 Hellcat, Whipple Charge, we took the factory stuff and beefed it up just to the next level. Yeah. Uh, prepped it for this new show we're doing called Torture Test. Okay. The idea behind, or the premise behind the show is to really torture its back-to-back quarter-mile passes with a minimal amount of cool-down time. Yeah. So not just building a car that could go fast, but a building a car that could live under these conditions and stuff. That's why we, we partnered up with these guys from the heat shields and stuff like that, and we prepped the whole deal to run um, cool, safe, and fast. We're not trying to kill it with a million pounds of boost. We're keeping the boost down, about a thousand horsepower. But a thousand horsepower car to get 32 miles to the gallon, they go down a track and high nine seconds over and over again. That's pretty insane. Tell me about the show. When's that going to be on and where? So it's, it's a newer concept that we're actually uh, partnering up with Pennzoil for. Yep. We're here actually. It was a kind of a last minute deal. Um, this is basically a concept that, if everybody likes or listens to you guys, gets yep. behind it, talks to Pennzoil, contacts us, that we push it over that that ledge. They've, we've had a ton of meetings with you guys. They really like it. We're moving on to the next level. So you probably will see this. Yeah. Um, time frame I don't know right now. Right but all you need to do is keep keep online and just punch in torturetest.com, ttracing.com, richchristians.com, or Pennzoil Racing. All those sites will have all links rolling around to information on this. Absolutely. And obviously all over the sites, as Fred and those guys know, this, this thing's probably every every Mopar site going there right now. I have no doubt about that. And we'll, we'll load all that info as we get along to those guys so they can spread it throughout the, the Mopar world. You mentioned Rich's name. Obviously, we recognize you from the from the shows as well. Yeah. That's apparently what you guys have been up to since uh, yeah. s- since the rest of the stuff went off. Yeah, Rich. Rich has been working with a whole bunch of other projects um, in finding the world's fastest human. That's been his his new uh, deal after Pink's. Um, when Fox turned uh, uh, Speed into yep. FS1, they shelved all original programming, and they actually own the rights to Pink's and Pink's All Out. Got it. We have the lease to do it for another few years, um, and we've done some other stuff from there, but this is the next iteration. We wanted to take it to the next level. If you watch Pink's All Out, when we did, when we looked at the spike in viewership, it was always the last five minutes of the show, sure. which was the two out of three hot, hot lap. lap. In the car. Sure, of this course. Is, this is basically Pink's All Out on steroids. Yeah. That's all it is. So that's where we're going to go with this, and hopefully everybody gets behind it and we knock it out of the park. But we're looking to do 13 episodes, 10 new episodes, and three exclusively online to like a Pennzoil.com or something like that. should be pretty cool. Now, one of the other cars that absolutely blew my mind at SEMA was a Javelin. <laughs> and I know now if you're following me on social media, you already know the car I'm talking about. The minute I say Javelin, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this AMC Javelin was the coolest car that I saw at the event. And I'm telling you, there were hundreds of extremely cool cars. Uh, But the Ring Brothers built this one. And the Ring Brothers are insane. These guys are absolutely at the top of their game these days. And what they have put together is just mind-blowing. So it's a, it's a, 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 a javelin that's been slammed down. Obviously, it's got big wheels and tires on it. It's, you know, it's got this crazy wide body kit on. It's painted in this insano uh, kind of like a like a, a a lime yellow gold. It's a BMW color actually, uh, and of course they've got a, a Hellcat engine stuffed inside of it. But they beefed up the supercharger, so it's making you know conservatively it's making a thousand horsepower. Wow. Let's find out more about this thing. Here's the Ring Brothers. The car meant a lot to Mike because he was actually the last guy to change oil in this car in 1977-78. So it was kind of cool. But uh, 
you know, we knew it was an ugly duckling. I mean, these cars, let's face it, you, know, you don't see a lot of them around, and there's probably a reason for it. But uh, I, I, to me, it's different. I, I love this car. When I grew up and got to, got to drive it and before I was even 16 to pull it into Wash Bay. So I fell in love with this car at a young age, but I think he's right. Most people not big on it. We got with Gary Ragel right away, and he's our designer, and started talking about the ugly, what we thought in the car was the nose. They were just so far out there, like a Dodge Charger, but even more so, so much in front of the front tire. So I think that was a big part of the design is to change that part of the car. Building this car for Prestone, you know, unveiling it here at SEMA, obviously the car had to be a yellow. So we looked at about every yellow we could find. And I don't even know how we come across it. It's a, oh. it's a new 17 BMW color. Because the side windows on this car come all the way down the rear quarter windows. So there's not a lot of room for exhaust. So the way we had to route the... Sean, the guy at the shop, made the mufflers. It's a Flowmaster 44, but it actually, we put them in backwards almost, so it, it enters the front of the muffler, which is face to back, goes through the muffler, then up over the top of the muffler, then out the side of the muffler. We told Preston we'd make a thousand plus, and it didn't look like that was going to be an easy task with the 401 and hold it together, so then. Yeah, so we went, uh, obviously, went with the Chrysler route with the Hellcat, liter Whipple on it, so it's... We've got the boost turn way down on it. I mean, it's it's as, it's as detuned as you can get. Seam is the only place to pull the cover off of anything, you know? Anybody that uh, is anybody wants to be at Seema. They want to they show their car here. Now, we're just about up to break time, but the guys at NASCAR are racing this weekend. They've got one race left before we go to the finals, so we're running at uh, Phoenix this weekend, and that's uh, always a cool time. It should be an interesting race. We're going to get to our motorsports update. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about any silly season changes, any other things that have been announced this week. There have been more to that. Uh, we've got that all coming up in just a few minutes. Plus, we've got our driving show, Song of the Week, and an absolutely 100% ties in to going to SEMA show in Las Vegas. All right, we're going to get to that coming up next. You guys stay right where you are. There's a lot more to it as we talk cars here on a Saturday morning. It's The Driving Show. I'm John Hammer, and we will be right back. Well, I, I made it back. I made it back from Las Vegas just fine. Thank you very much. SEMA was last week, and man, I'm telling you guys, everything you see when you see the coverage on television, you you read about it in the magazines and the blogs and things like that. I'm telling, it really is that that it it is. It's like that. It is car enthusiast overload. It is absolutely crazy. I mean, you you've got to keep. I was in fact, I was talking with. Ah, geez, who was it? Oh, it was Aaron Hagar. So I met Sammy Hagar. By the way. Let's not get too lost here. This is The Driving Show. <laughs> My name is John Hammer. It's nice to have you guys here on the show with us. Uh, we're going to spend the next hour or so talking about cars and car things and car news and do-it-yourself stuff and things like that. But yeah, I got back from SEMA uh, on, I guess it was, what, on Sunday, Monday, last week, whatever it was. And... Um, and I, I did. I got to hang out with Aaron Hagar, Sammy Hagar's son, who is awesome, by the way. He's a total car guy and uh, just one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet. And we were talking about how 
how you've got to keep your head on a swivel when you're at SEMA because you just never know what you're going to see, who you're going to see, who uh, you know, and, and what kind of innovations are, are jumping out. I mean, it really is incredible. I do have some more audio from uh, from that trip. We'll get to that coming up later in the show. Uh, man, I mean, there's just there's there was so much going on there that I knew I couldn't fit it in last week's show. I mean, I knew I, I just knew that there was no way I was going to be able to do that. So so we've got that going on. Uh, we have got a um, we've got a driving show song of the week. We didn't even do it last week because we had no time for it. Uh, we got driving show song of the week that is absolutely a hundred percent pertinent for uh, for where I was last week and for bringing you that show. So we've got that coming up a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about yeah. We, certainly, we've got our motorsports update. Of course, we're getting into what the last what do we got here. We've got. Um, We've got Phoenix this weekend for NASCAR, and then that's it, right? And then and then off to uh, off to Homestead Miami Speedway. We got to talk about a motorsports update, uh, and then I want to talk about working on cars. There are a couple of different safety reminders uh, that were in the news just in the last few days, and you you may you may not have heard of either of these things, but they actually go hand in hand pretty well. So we're going to talk about being safe while working on your car and i know you're thinking well i don't need you preaching to me hammer uh it's not like that guys it's just good stuff to remember and maybe some tips to help keep us a little extra safe while we're out there working on cars all right so we've got all that stuff coming up here on the show plus more uh it's it's big man there's there's a lot going on i'm glad that you are here and we're gonna get things going here on this week's episode of the driving show but first hey it's time for the news The Koenigsegg Ajera has set the mark as the world's fastest car. Last week in Nevada on an aero straight road in the middle of the desert, they ran the car to 271 and change in one direction. Then they had to spin it around because if you're going to do a Guinness Book of World Records actual record, you have to do an average of the two speeds. The other direction, they ran 284 and change, which averaged out to a brand new world record of 277.9 miles per hour, beating the old record by more than 10 miles per hour, which was held by the Bugatti Veyron. The, the new uh, the Bugatti, the uh, Chiron, is, might be able to actually even break this record, but who's to say for sure? That one has even more power than the Ajera does. The Koenigsegg is at 1,300-something horsepower. Uh, The Bugatti is at 1,600. Plus, when I was at SEMA the other day, I bumped into John Hennessy, who debuted his brand-new Hennessy Venom F5 that he claims will be able to top 300 miles per hour. These are still street legal cars. That is crazy. Interesting story on the the Venom F5. Uh, It it does have its own chassis on there. Remember, the original Venom was kind of like a super stretched out Lotus-y thing, if you will. And the name F5 comes from the meanest, nastiest of all the tornadoes, right? So that's that's the name on that one. we'll, we'll, We'll see what happens on that. Now, the connected car of today generates data from more than 200 sensors inside the car, and it can say anything about uh, where you are to the way you drive your car. Uh, it can even tell things like when you use your air conditioning, what's the temperature like outside, and what radio stations do you listen to. Uh, a Frost and Sullivan report on data monetization in cars 
focused on pricing and business models indicates that if all the connected vehicles with the ability to capture data were monetized, okay, if they could take all the information that your car can actually figure out about you and figure out a way to monetize that, the overall opportunity could be worth $33 billion by 2025. Now, customers for that kind of data would range from, you know, energy companies and fleet companies to, I mean, even companies like Starbucks or McDonald's, you know, they want to know what time of the day you're likely to purchase your next cup of coffee or when you're going to get a burger, you know, is it hot out? Is it cold out? Is it traditional lunchtime, dinnertime? You know, who's to say? But this company, Frost & Sullivan, identified over 50 different organizational types that want to profit from your vehicle driving behavior and locations data interesting to see that coming would you you know you wonder it's kind of like if you think about you know we use things like google for instance we use it we don't pay money for it right but they know what we're shopping for and that they customize advertising for it and that's how they influence and that's how they make all the money would you be willing i thought about this would you be willing to maybe pay less for your car if your car was selling information about you don't 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 a car jettisoned off a pier in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn on Monday morning, according to witnesses and police. The car, which one witness described as a speeding black sedan, raced for 150 feet down the 69th Street Pier before launching through one of six metal stanchions that were there, went through a bunch of tables, past a 9-11 monument. One witness was fishing at the end of the pier at the time of the impact, said it all happened in a matter of seconds, said, quote, black car, maybe BMW, it was going fast, very fast, maybe 60, 70 miles per hour. It was maybe 10 seconds, and then it went in. Fire department divers were in the water of the Narrows uh, pretty quickly thereafter, but they recovered no occupants. Uh, no occupants. Uh, North, uh, excuse me, uh, New York Police Department harbor units remained on the scene to continue the search. The vehicle was later found drifting toward the Verrazano Bridge, no word on people, injuries, and or survivors at this point. Now, let's say you need to take a pit stop on a Norwegian highway and you've got an electric car. Well, it's interesting because between Oslo and the town of Lillehammer, where the Olympics were that one time, uh, a Circle K gas station there, the town's called Dahl, it's about 35 miles north of the capital, uh, is where the next generation of electric cars will be able to get recharged, but there's more to it. So they figured out a way, apparently there at this gas station, or at, the, at, at this you know, now energy station, to recharge an electric car in maybe as little as 10 minutes, which is you know, about the third of the time it is now to get uh, at least a decent charge uh, on your car. Now, while you're waiting there, though, they're going to cater to you as the owner of the electric car. You've got 10, 15 minutes to hang out with them, so they're going to make it easier. So they're serving better food than ever before. They've got uh, they've got different uh, some entertainment aspects, th things like that, that that will keep you occupied there in their store while your car's battery gets recharged. Quote, this is a trend that will continue to grow, so that is important to us to transform with the market, said a Circle K spokesman in an interview. The growing global popularity of environmentally friendly electric cars spurred by government incentives and falling prices is threatening the core relationship between gas stations and drivers 
who now have various options to reload their batteries. To keep customers loyal, they're in Norway, where electric vehicles account for almost 30% of new car sales. Circle K is even looking into residential charging stations. And all of those things could wind up here in the United States of America. In New Jersey, a man and his passenger escaped injury after the car he was driving was struck by a train on Sunday. The driver got his 2016 Volkswagen GTI stuck on the tracks while following his vehicle's GPS directions. Turn right now. However, he turned too soon, and he wound up on the train tracks, not on the street. Now, both he and his passenger got out of the car, but a Norfolk Southern train struck the Volkswagen, causing major damage to the car. Two railroad employees on the train were not injured. Major damage. Major damage. <laughs> Can you see the Craigslist ad right now? 2016 Volkswagen GTI. Enthusiast-owned, low miles, needs minor paintwork. <laughs> I can't imagine having a car struck by a train, but at the same time, I... By, and by the way, this happened in the middle of the afternoon. This is not like it was middle of the night. It's not like the guy was liquored up or anything like that. Uh, we've got to take ourselves a break. Now, just because she says turn now doesn't mean turn now. Pay attention. That's that's the whole point, right? Uh, coming up in just a little bit. So we've got our, uh, let's see here. We've got our uh, song of the week here on The Driving Show. Uh, we've got to talk motorsport stuff. And uh, up next, we're going to go back to Las Vegas. And we're going to hear some of the extra audio that I was able to uh, to record, including we're going to talk with Brian Bassone. Now, you'll recognize Brian's name. He was on Pink's and Pink's All Out with Rich Christensen remember that so they've got a brand new idea coming together they built a car to help promote it now it's not a show just yet but we're going to get all the details from Brian and hear more from my trip to SEMA in Las Vegas from last weekend we're going to do that up next that's right here on the driving show I'm John Hammer don't go anywhere we'll be right back Hey guys, Chris Fix here on The Driving Show with John Hammer. Man, it's been a fun show so far. We've already talked about stuff at SEMA from that I couldn't fit into last week's show actually from SEMA. So we got all that going on. We've uh, we've talked about some NASCAR already. We've uh, talked about, I mean, yeah, lots going on here. We had a great song of the week, a little Viva Las Vegas action going on there. That was good. Uh, time to talk about some serious stuff, though. You know, we always get to working in the cars, get working on the cars in the shop. And I know that I've been, you know, I've done some dumb things over the years when working on cars, whether that was at the side of the racetrack, you know, in the paddock. I know a lot of the, I'm a road course guy. So a lot of the tracks that I go to, especially here in the Southeast, the paddocks are not paved. They're on gravel. And while I may have been using a jack stand, I, you know, I just had it sitting in the sand and the, and I mean, it was, I did some, you know, some poor choices and it always worked out, but uh, it didn't always work. Uh, it did not work out for a, a woman in Lincoln, Nebraska. She was a, a 40 year old woman was killed she was working on her car earlier this week. It was jacked up in her apartment complex, but she was not using jack stands. The jack that she was using tipped over and the car landed on her. By the time medics got there, she was already unconscious. They tried to revive her. They were unsuccessful and pronounced her dead at the scene. Guys, remember this. Jacks are for lifting. They are not for working uh, underneath the car on those things. Absolutely not. Especially, I mean, not at any jack would be... But especially like those, uh, you know, those uh, the, the the regular jacks that you get for your car, the ones that you you the screw on up and they come out. Those things are awful. Those are terrible jacks, terribly unstable. You don't want to use those things for sure. So been looking around, and our friends over at MetLife offered up some tips to keep in mind before you start working on your cars. Number one. 
do your homework and I like this one uh, before you do anything working on your car make sure you understand what it is that you're about to do all right whether that's having an owner's manual or a technical manual uh, you know what's going on if you got to do any research if you got to find anything off online print it off get it ready to go before you ever start the job all right number two dress for success Wear safety goggles to prevent eye injuries. You get bits of metal working around. You're shaving stuff. You're welding stuff. You get sparks. You get just simply get some dirt from climbing up underneath a car. I mean, just chemicals, right? I mean, you want to keep all that stuff off of you. Clothing, you want to keep uh, clothing to be relatively close-fitting. You do not want that to um, to, to hang and, and maybe get caught up in any moving parts. Take your jewelry off. All right, I always take jewelry off when I'm working on the car. Uh, I even take jewelry off when I'm racing, too, inside my racing gloves. I don't have any rings on. I don't wear any watches or anything like that, none of that stuff. I always take all that stuff off. Um, wear gloves, if you are, especially if you're doing fluids um, that can't contain chemicals, that it's stuffed so bad. Honestly, I am absolutely hooked these days. I'll go over to the you know local auto parts store, and I'll buy a box of those uh, uh, the, the rubber gloves, the, the nitrile gloves. Holy cow, it's a game changer. Not only does it protect your hands, it gives you great grip on things like wrenches and nuts and bolts and things when you're done cleanup is a snap you know it's not like you sit there and use a you know half a tub worth of uh, you know you know, the, some of that fancy schmancy hand cleaner stuff I mean you just roll these things right off they only cost a couple pennies a piece and when you you know when you buy a big box of them they totally make a difference um, and also always 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 when you're working on car always wear great shoes wear good strong solid safe shoes that will take care of you do not work on your car wearing flip flops do not do it in bare feet alright bad 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 choices uh, next one up uh, ventilation if you're working on the car if you gotta run the car at all if you gotta do exhaust stuff anything like that make sure that you are working where it's well ventilated. If you are inside, make sure you've got doors open and you've got fans blowing, and that is always you know taken you know good good care of you. Uh, turn on the lights. Even if you're working in the daytime, lights make a huge difference in being able to simply see things. You know that's really good. So make sure you, you've got lights on. Um, we talk about uh, we talked about jacks and jack stands already. You know, unfortunately, we had that story just a moment ago where the the woman passed away. Always jack stands, and always make sure they're secured in the proper places on the car too. Don't just jam them underneath there. Make sure you're on a a part of the car that is sturdy on the frame on the chassis. Most cars these days have got a legitimate place to actually put a jack and to put jack stands. Uh, and if not, if you don't know for sure, get on the internet. No matter what model of car you do, people have jacked it up. And I promise you there is a, a way to go on that one, all right? Uh, if you ever need to be double safe, bring, bring a buddy over. You know, don't do it by yourself. You know, bring somebody on over. You know, they can, they, can, they can give you two cents worth. They can hand you tools. They can help things out. And just in case something goes wrong, uh, they can help you out right away, right? That's very, very important. Now, the final one that I thought was really interesting here on their list was to have an ABC-rated fire extinguisher and a first aid kit nearby when you're working on cars. Why is that important? Here's the deal. Kitty Fire Extinguisher Company, K-I-D-D-E. You've seen these guys, right? They have recalled more than 40 million fire extinguishers. These are the ones that have plastic handles or plastic push buttons on them. It turns out they may clog and not discharge properly when you need it. That's that's a bad thing. Uh, there has been one death already blamed on this. Numerous injuries and lots of damages there. Um, but that's, yeah, that's the thing. The, the, the crazy part about this, though, is that the recall dates back to 
1973. So again, if you have a kit of fire extinguisher that has a plastic handle or plastic push button, there's a very, very good chance that it may be recalled already. Um, that is really important, guys. I mean, I've, I, I actually already checked, and I've got one of these. I've got, I've got two metal ones. One that's in my race car is a metal-tipped one. I've got a one metal-tipped one in my garage, but the second one in my garage and then the one I've got up in my kitchen are absolutely plastic ones from that brand. So in case you need to double-check things out, I've posted the information for you uh, online. Check it out at thedrivingshow.com. That actually takes you over to our Facebook page. I'll, I'll have it posted there. And uh, Instagram, at thedrivingshow. So thedrivingshow.com takes you over to our Facebook page. And again, at thedrivingshow. Make sure you're safe, all right? Whether that's jacking up the car, working on the car, always have proper jacks and jack stands. Have a fire extinguisher there. And if you happen to have one of these kitty fire uh, plastic-handled fire extinguishers there's a good chance that it is recalled because they're not safe they're saying they're not working properly 40 million of them are recalled all right now be safe out there we are up against the break guys that's going to have to do it for the show this week i know i know it's just flown right on by thanks for being a part of it it's always great to have you here join us again next week we're going to talk more about cars and driving and technology and do-it-yourself repairs and who knows what else we can come up with but we're going to have it right here it's across the country on radio stations all over this place everywhere we are across the united states we're bound by that one thing that's our love of the automobile and this is where we celebrate it every single week. It's been my pleasure to have you guys here. My name is John Hammer. This is The Driving Show. I'll see you next Saturday. Take care. Bye-bye. We're back at it on a Saturday morning with The Driving Show. I'm John Hammer, and we're talking about motorsports. Time for the motorsports update. And now for your listening pleasure... Yeah, let's get right on into it. After 18 consecutive seasons in NASCAR's top level, Matt Kenseth said he is taking a break from NASCAR's top series after the 2017 season. Asked what that means, he says he he doesn't really know. He says, quote, I've put a lot of thought into it and pretty much decided after Martinsville, which I kind of already knew anyway, but we decided to take some time off. Remember, he was champion back in 2003. He says, quote, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's forever. Most likely when you're gone, you don't get the opportunity again. I just don't really feel it's in the cards. Man, that's that's tough to see. You know, I mean, I can imagine that, that that's got to be a tough call for Kenseth. There's no talk whether or not he'll uh, he'll come back and do some, uh, some Xfinity Series rides or things like that. But he just couldn't find anything that was uh, up to his level. Uh, what he was looking to uh, to race, and uh, away you go. Here's an, an interesting quote to wrap it up here. He says, quote, Sometimes you can't make your own decisions, so people make them for you. That's unfortunate, because I wanted to make my own decisions. I felt like, in a way, I've earned that, to be able to go out the way other drivers who've had similar careers to uh, dictate when your time is up. Anyway, I just came to the realization that it's probably time to go do something different. Matt Kenseth will wrap up the year and then move on. Big rumor mill over the week. Could Danica Patrick move to Roush Fenway Racing? And you say to yourself, wait a minute, isn't that where her boyfriend races? As a matter of fact, it is. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. runs for those guys. You know, the team does have three NASCAR charters. Uh, currently, they've got uh, Ricky Stenhouse and, uh, uh, you know, that Trevor Bain, of course. Uh, that, I don't know. What do you think? 
would that fit in there? It's a Ford team. You got to figure Ford would still be happy to keep Danica around. That's always good for sales and, and good for marketing, even if she's not a top level driver. Uh, who's to say? But the latest update comes from Bob Pockress, who's a NASCAR journalist. And he says he saw Roush Fenway President Steve Newmark in the garage the other day. He said Danica is not coming to RFR because they don't have a spot open over there. So he says no, but the rumors are still out there. We'll have to see what happens. By the way, so we've got one more week left here. So we've got we got a race this weekend at... Um, at uh, Phoenix, and then we go to Homestead Miami Speedway for Ford Championship weekend uh, next weekend. You know, you know, weekend. Well, that's, yeah, it's a week away. Interesting. The NASCAR races won't be the only championships to be solved there that weekend. They will also have will also be deciding what hot dogs will be the best hot dogs of the season. Would you believe all 12 of uh, International Speedway Corporation's racetracks had hot dogs entered in a year-long hot dog contest? No kidding. So six of them have made the final round that are going to Homestead Miami Speedway, and that includes Homestead Miami Speedway's own Magic City Dog. So all six, if you're going to the sh- if you're going to the race. You'll see all six of the hot dogs will be available for tasting at what they call the Dog House, D-A-W-G, the Dog House, which will be uh, located in the Midway near Section 215 there at the Speedway. You'll be able to vote for your favorite hot dog over there. They'll announce the winner of that one the Monday after the final race. So the Magic City Dog from Homestead Miami Speedway, it has has, uh, a char-grilled Eisenberg Angus Sirloin Hot Dog. That sounds fancy already. Uh, Including house-made alligator chili, shredded lettuce, diced tomatoes, mango ketchup, and crispy potato sticks. Sells for eight bucks. Uh, That sounds pretty good. I mean, I'm from Detroit where Coney Dogs are like the whole thing, right? With just chili, raw onion, mustard, and a natural casing hot dog that's been grilled. To me, that's about the greatest hot dog on planet Earth. But that thing sounds pretty good. So if you go to the show, if you go to that race, so make sure you guys are able to uh, vote for that one and, and see what happens. All right, time for us to take a quick break here. When we come back, we got to talk about safety around the shop. Uh, we are not all as safe as we need to be. We had a firsthand reminder of that earlier this week. We're going to talk about that and also a recall that may absolutely have something to do with uh, with you. All right, we'll talk about that coming up next. We're going to talk about being safe as we play with our cars here on The Driving Show. That's up next. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here. We'll be right back. I'm John Hammer.